0: Age.
1: Yes, well, I know it, it is. It has been hitting me hard lately. Let me tell you that. Joe Weston, your host, along with Ned Reynolds and Alex Scott, Josh Roberts. I named him The Rock last week because he's always here. Well, he's not here this week. That's just how that works for you. So let's talk about uh, last Sunday's game. Ned, uh, before we went on the air, I said to you, uh, we had a game a couple of weeks ago that we all described as pedestrian. Is there anything less than pedestrian that would describe that game? That's exactly
0: how we did describe last week's game as well, being a pedestrian effort against the Los Angeles Rams. But I posed that to Danon Hughes uh, earlier this week, and he said, no, that's not the case. He said the Rams may be compromised offensively, but defensively Aaron Donald and company still in there, and they can play tough, and they did play the Chiefs tough, especially in the red zone. But Los Angeles doesn't have any offense at all, so... It is compromised, and that has really affected the team adversely. But by the same token, he said, no, they got out there and played as hard as they could. Nonetheless, 26-10, the final score in this game, and, and really the, the Rams were, in all honesty, never in it.
1: I have this kind of theory that I was thinking about, and it, it especially applies to the Chiefs because we've talked in the past about the Chiefs kind of playing down to their opponent, but... I was thinking about that, and, and you see this come up again and again and again in across sports in general. You'll often see a Major League Baseball team, and they're uh, you know leading the division or something, and they'll go out and they'll face a rookie pitcher they've never seen before, and he just stymies them for five innings. And I think that when you play a team like the Rams or a team that's just not as good right now this season— You get a less predictable football team, and that makes it difficult to operate your offense and your defense because when you face a team like Buffalo, they're predictable. You know what you're going to get with Buffalo, but with some of these teams, you just don't know what you're going to get.
0: Well, in in your baseball analogy, I can understand why that would happen because there isn't a book on a young pitcher who comes in there. Uh, there is, of course, on the veteran pitchers, and that's why those veteran pitchers who excel are so good because they're able to overcome the fact that there's a predictability about them. There isn't. They can mix their pitches so well. But in the football situation, I, I asked a couple of players so in, in recent weeks, Is does this happen? Do you play down to your opponents? And never, 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 because if you do, injuries are going to happen. Now, subconsciously, who who can explore the subconscious, some psychiatrist somewhere. But as far as a motivation is concerned, when you're coming out of the locker room, you're putting your best foot forward every single time. And I, I think that is probably the case. Again, though, it is human nature. If you're playing somebody who is perceived as being weaker than you are, then maybe in the inner resources of your motivational aspect, that does not happen.
1: I don't think the players go at it with, a, um, with any sort of different mentality. I think they prepare week to week the same way. And they know who they're playing. They know the game plan they're playing. I think my take on this is if you've got a really good corner and you know what his tendencies are and you know where you need to put the ball as opposed to the third string corner coming off the bench because he's got two guys in hurt in front of him, and you just really don't know what that guy's going to do, and sometimes he breaks the wrong way or does something different, and that kind of throws you off as the passer, as the quarterback. Do you think that plays into it at all? I
0: I can promise you it does. Yeah. If you're out there with the team on the field and you see a sub coming in, there's been an injury of some sort, you're going to pick on that guy right away. They do it on the line. If you have a strong running attack and you see, oh, oh, here comes a sub-defensive end in there, run at him. He's not expecting what's going to happen. Same with the QBs. Oh, yeah, that that happens in any sport.
1: We talked about this last week a little bit before we got into the game, and I said I predicted that the first half would be probably be frustrating for Chiefs fans, and sure enough, it was. What were your thoughts on the game, Alec? You know, there's
2: so much prep and planning that goes on especially with, in athletics, especially at this level when you don't know what you're going to get. I feel teams tend to fall back on, okay, well, what's our bread and butter? Let's run what we do well. Maybe there's a little less explosion, maybe there's a little less flair, because they just wanna they wanna play it safe. They wanna do their thing. And that's what the Chiefs fell back on. And, you know, it didn't look like we know they can look, but at the same time, you know, they they know in their opponent what they're probably getting is a team that can't put up twenty points. So what's our goal this week? Put up 21 points (laughs) and you know they a game plan against a lesser team sometimes can make a game closer because they just know they need to do less they're not reaching they're playing more within the confines of what's maybe safe and i think that's what the game we got last week was and i think it's going to be a polar opposite today because they know what that cincinnati offense can do i think we're going to see more stretching of the field more flash in the plan pan, like big play kind of things as they try to outgun an opponent who is as equipped as they are, unlike the Rams. Do you think that game would have been
1: different, Ned, had, say, Matthew Stafford been there?
0: Oh, I'm sure it would have been. When you have leadership, heck, you've got the third-string quarterback in there, Bryce Perkins, playing uh, as opposed to Matt Stafford. Heavens, yes, it would have been a lot different. Now, would it have manifested itself into a win? That remains to be seen, because there are many injuries, and uh, uh, Cooper Cup isn't their number one, and you yeah. have a lot of offensive line injuries as well. But yeah, when you have a veteran leadership at any position, doesn't matter which one it is. Of course, in the QB, you're the leader on the field, but sure, it would have made a difference.
1: I contend Cooper Cup is the most valuable player in the NFL. Pretty good, and he played, and he's played like it uh I, just a, a big loss that you can't replace 26 to 10 was the final score did they uh do the over under Did they? was it over or under last week
0: well let's see it, it, it certainly it would have been over because uh, 37, 37 would have been the max and no i would have been over that sure i think it's probably in the 40s somewhere
1: you're listening to Ned talk your local live sports talk show we get you set for the Chiefs pregame game show which is coming up at two o'clock any big takeaways for either of you from last week's game?
2: Alec? You know, I I don't know if there's anything too big. It looked exactly kind of like what I thought it would. Like you said, the Rams, while the score maybe was closer than some would have thought, it never felt like the Rams had a shot in that game. It seemed like, you know, it Big Brother with his arm outstretched <laughs> on Little Brother's forehead as Little Brother swung away, and while, you know, he was entertaining him, it it was a it wasn't gonna be anything that was gonna be a threat. Absolutely and, a
0: fair analogy on your part, That's like exactly so the
2: Chiefs going. the Chiefs went out and did their game. They avoided big injuries, you know, they set themselves up. I I, you know, as boring as it is, no, no huge takeaways. They handled their business. And sometimes and when you're playing a lesser opponent, handling your business is exactly what you need to do before you turn your sights to the bigger opponents in the future. What about you,
1: Ned?
0: did mark exactly what it was <laughs> there's not nothing to enhance upon that Kansas City went through the went through the motions they knew they could win the game they should win the game they did win the game weren't going to weren't going to perhaps project as much as they could on offense they they could have scored a whole lot more points but what benefit is that going to be and the, the, the don't get me wrong now the motivation doesn't come from the players it comes from the coaching staff because the players are following that game plan that's laid out for them. And Reed and his company know fully, well, stay, sit back, take no chances at all. Uh, you don't have to, just win the game, get out there and play your hardest, yes, but do not, do not extend yourself to the point of injury.
1: One of the things that we've talked about all season, and we've talked about it so far yet today, is that injury is the big word about how teams – do during the course of the season most teams are are really one injury away from having their season kind (laughs) of go downhill I mean we're we're sitting here right now Jalen Hurts just took a big hit if Jalen Hurts were to go out how would how would the Eagles be doing how would they be playing without Jalen Hurts well,
0: they—I don't know. I hope we don't have to find that out. Uh, but but uh, you're making a reference here to the Philadelphia Eagles and yeah. to most other teams. The one that would be most adversely affected is the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, you and, lose
0: and, a Patrick Mahomes, and you don't have much of a depth yet. Chad Henney, who's been around for years, but he ain't Mahomes by any stretch of the imagination. Hertz has played very well. I'm sure Philadelphia would somehow – Philadelphia's a good team. They're, I don't perceive them as being a great team. I don't think they're as good as Kansas City, but they are still a very good football team over and above. But, again, your QB is the leader out there, and none of these teams can really afford to, to lose the QB, QB. Look what it's done to the Rams. Heck, they yeah. aren't even a contender now.
1: Yeah, well, I'm coming back around to my point, and that is that you know during the course of the season, you see injuries start to build up. Some teams – Have those earlier in the year. Some teams have them later in the year. The Chiefs kind of in the middle part here. They have got some injuries. They're a little banged up right now. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we don't think we're going to see him back. He's pretty much done for the season. Uh, McCole Hardman, still not back. When do you think they're going to see him back in the lineup?
0: Well, he apparently has been going through training periods, so it may be periodic. It may be coming back starting next week when they play the Broncos. Who who knows? Don't know what their regimen is. Don't know what their protocol is. But over and above all of the others, the Chiefs have avoided catastrophic injuries. Yeah. They've had the nagging bumps and bruises. That happens to every single team going. But in terms of... The big injury, the one that's put a star player on the sidelines for the rest of the season, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not in that category, then uh, the Chiefs have been able to avoid that so far.
1: You're chipping away, though, at the, at the Chiefs' weaponry, right, Alec? I mean, obviously they don't, they don't have the, the big-name wide receiver this year. They've, they've filled in with a bunch of, of guys that you might call serviceable. Um, I'm not knocking those guys, but you don't have that big guy other than Travis Kelsey to go to. But there's some injuries there. There's McCole Hardman. There's Justin uh, Justin Ross, the guy that they trade for. Tony is out. Do you? How do the Chiefs? How do they navigate this the rest of the season?
2: You know, it all. The big thing I think it comes down to the coach at that point. If you're not at 100, percent you need to start scheming up. What can I do with the guys I do have? How do I get Sky more involved? How do we get Marquez about his Scantling going the way we thought we could when he first got here? And, you know, so far they've shown that even if they're not at 100% health, Mahomes is that level of quarterback. You know, ideally, you don't want your playmakers making your quarterback. You want it the other way around. They talked for years about in in New England, Tom Brady didn't have anybody to throw to, so to speak. And yet they just kept getting it done. Mahomes is kind of entering that, that level where every every year I feel like there's a guy who starts catching passes in Kansas City, and you go, who? Who is this guy again? <laughs> and he looks like an all-star, and it's because he's in a system with a quarterback that can run it and a coaching staff that draws up a game plan that can utilize. They say, well, what, what can you do? Okay, here's how we can use that. And week in and week out, they put that product on the field where – you may not know; they may not be a household name, but they can do what they need to within the system to keep the offense going.
1: Sky Moore stepped up the past couple of weeks, but I want to ask both of you this question: the guy that to me has been the biggest question mark, the biggest mystery for the Chiefs this year is Marquez. Marquez, if I can say that, Valdez Scantling—he's just not had a great sort of year with the Chiefs. Well, he hasn't been given the opportunity to, for one thing, with the
0: Green Bay Packers, he was a primary receiver. And uh, we talked about this when the Packers let him go as a free agent, and the Chiefs picked him up. He was described as being a key to the Packers' offense. Why do you let a key player go when he's in an important uh, circumstance like that? It well, comes over to the Chiefs, and he's with some very good receivers, as you mentioned, not the Tyreek Hill uh, Chiefs, but the Chiefs with the Juju Smith-Schuster and the McCole Hardman and a rookie by the name of Sky Moore, and so forth and so on, and Kelsey. So he fits into a circumstance where you already do have solid receivers. But there may also be underlying reasons why Valdez-Scantling hasn't been the key. We pointed that out at the start of the season. There's so much that goes on. The same with Kadarius Toney. Why did the New York Giants let their number one pick go? And why are New York Giants fans so... (laughs) Critical to Kansas City Chiefs fans, you you wanted him, you got him. Well, that paints to us in the media the picture of an individual who may be a problem child. What do you think about
1: Scantling? Is there a is there? I'll ask both of you this question: Is there a trust factor issue there with him and Patrick Mahomes?
2: Don't know. Do yeah. not know. Yeah, I mean, I I look at Scantling. You know, when the signing happened, I didn't think it was a bad move necessarily, but if you. You look at his history in Green Bay, he got to play all his seasons there across from one Devontae Adams. Yep. And there's only one Devontae Adams in the world. So when you're when he's drawing the kind of coverage he is, it does open you up. In Kansas City, Travis Kelsey is an offensive weapon on par or better than Devontae Adams, but it draws different coverage since he's a tight end kind of there in the middle. I think Scantling is showing that, you know, he's he's maybe a good number two or number three guy if he's got to carry the load I don't know if he's got it in him but as far as trust with Mahomes you just hope it's time you know time can fix everything or just it's either needs more time or it's just not meant to be
0: Alec I think my chronology is correct here but Valdez Scantling came to the Chiefs after Devontae Adams had gone to Denver and wait a minute, you're letting go of your other receiver who was a free agent? This isn't a trade. A free agent situation who you could have signed back? I don't know. That's just a strange circumstance to me.
1: Do you think that uh, Aaron Rodgers would like to have him back, though? I think
0: Aaron Rodgers would like to have everybody back. Yeah, anybody <laughs> back,
1: yeah, that he could throw a pass to that could catch a football. Let's talk about the defense for just a second. Again, another, you know, it's not. it's not pretty. But they get the job done, and uh, the defensive side is playing pretty good football right now.
0: They have. You can't deny that at all, that, that big front line. Did you say that uh, Clark is out today?
1: He is out today. He has some undefined illness, is what I heard earlier when I was, before we started, and I was watching the TV. The poor
0: guy's had more problems, be they of his own hand or by injury or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you do have Chris Jones. And yep. Jones leads a very good – and, and, and uh, the kid from Purdue, Carl Loftus, has played very well indeed. Their linebacking core is, is among the best. When you've got a Willie Gay in there and a Bolton and people of this caliber, you're playing pretty doggone well. And their depth – I do have some questions about the defensive backs, and I wonder if we not, might not see that exploited today by Joe Burrow and company because he can do that. He can pick apart your defensive backfield – And if the Chiefs do have an Achilles heel, it may be right there. We'll find that out. But over and above uh, above all, I think their defense has played uh, very good and above expectations.
1: I don't think that's really their Achilles heel. I honestly don't because I think that while it's a young secondary, you saw the Chiefs get beat badly in the last couple of years. You've not seen that this season. When they've gotten beat, it is on a... Tip your hat, sort of play, and I think uh, Trent McDuffie is a is a star in the making.
0: There are two ways to look at that, Joe. Yes, it could be that, but even more than that, it could be the pressure the defensive line is putting on QBs and hurrying them. The Chiefs are among the league leaders in hurrying the other teams' quarterback, and when you throw off balance and before the the time before these, the the uh, practice time that these QBs work on. You can really disrupt. That's what the Chiefs do. They disrupt offensive schemes. Uh, I, I still think if you get a solid quarterback in there who starts to pick apart your defensive backfield, you may have some problems.
1: Yeah, I I I like their I I'm a fan of the secondary. I don't know how you feel about it,
2: Alec. You know, they've held up. You know, they've they've done their part, the a good defensive line can cover up mm-hmm. a bad secondary yeah. and vice versa. But, you know, that pressure rate, you know, they, they do what they need to do. But today is going to be a massive test and a good measuring stick to see where they're at because the Bengals are going to line up three guys in Chase and Higgins and Boyd who can win versus one-on-one coverage, and you cannot help with all of them. One of, someone's going to be on an island against somebody every play. And that's what cost the Chiefs last year. It was Chase and Higgins and Boyd making, you know, plays that were tip the cap kind of plays where it's just, hey, you beat our guy. I'm curious to see what kind of scheme they have drawn up if they fall back into more zone to try and avoid that, or if it is just relentless pressure so that Burrow doesn't have time to find him.
1: Yeah, Burrow's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the NFL over the last two seasons. My uh, scheme for the game today would be the the Chiefs play the second half because they've lost they've lost both the games against Cincinnati in the second half. So we call it off at halftime. Yeah. And the telecast hey, the game's over. <laughs> yeah. So when we come back we'll talk about the topsy turvy world of college football on Ned Talk.
3: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: 35 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show right here on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. In southwest Missouri, revenge game on tap this afternoon as they take on the Bengals. If you're a Chiefs fan, I don't know if you remember, but the uh, Chiefs lost twice last year to the Bengals. Does that sound familiar to you? i are going to try to get back eye on that. Yesterday, interesting day in college football, we talked about what would happen if certain things happened on Saturday. And some of that stuff came true. TCU uh, TCU lost. USC lost. It was a tight game, therefore briefly a tight tight game in the LSU Georgia game, and it was briefly a tight game in the Michigan game as well. And I thought, wow, there's a chance here that all four of these teams could lose, but they didn't. Michigan and Georgia win, and we've already seen the lineup, the final four, Ned. You want to Reveal that to everybody? Sure.
0: uh, You knew that Georgia and Michigan would be 1-2 and after their wins. The next questions would involve Southern Cal and TCU. Southern Cal loses on a Friday night, and they lose rather substantially to uh, Utah. In fact, I was watching the Trojans play. I thought, good Lord, have they tackled like this all year long? Because they didn't tackle. It was really a very poor defensive performance on their part. I know that would not sit very well with Oklahoma fans, since this is Oklahoma West with Caleb Williams and... Uh, the coach out there now heading the Southern Cal program. They didn't belong. So they drop out. You knew they were going to. In the case of Texas Christian, there was a time in their game. First of all, Texas Christian has made a whole serial line out of their games this season. They've come from behind and won. I think the number is 6 11 or 7 11 or 7 12, whatever it is. They've come from behind to win. They were behind Kansas State by a substantial margin. They were behind Kansas State by a substantial margin the first time they played and came back and won 38-28, this time a really dicey situation because there's a lot on, on record for them. Anyway, they come back, send the game into overtime with some really gutsy play by Max Duggan, their quarterback. So they send it into overtime and <laughs> have chance to tie the game. or at It's fourth and less than one to go, and TCU decides to go for a touchdown. This is in the overtime. They do not get it. Why didn't they go for the field goal and tie it? As a reason why. And that is because I'm of the opinion, without proving it, that Sonny Dykes knew fully well that he was in the playoffs regardless. So why not go for a win, put, put an exclamation point on it, or at least go for the lead in this case because K-State would get the ball back, but at least put the, put the onus on their shoulders. But he decided to go for the touchdown, didn't get it, and K-State wins it by three. There was no justification, in my mind, for dropping Texas Christian out of the top four. So they end up at number three, where they were. Well, wait a minute, why is that? <laughs> because if Michigan had been number three, I'm, I'm sorry, if Ohio State had been number three, they would have been playing Michigan again for the second time in two or three weeks, and the bowl committee did not want that. So they let's keep TCU number three. But Ohio State, number four. What about Alabama? Nope. Nope. Not quite enough, even though they lost two games by a total of four points. Had it been another catastrophic situation in which TCU was run out of the ballpark, then it might have happened, but they weren't. So you have Georgia, number one, playing Texas Christian. I'm I'm sorry, playing Ohio State in the first round and semifinals, and then
1: Michigan and TCU in the other one watched a little bit of the of those games yesterday uh Nick Saban was on at halftime pitching for his team to make it into the final 4 and then of course he's it, he's been against the playoff system but uh yesterday he was very much for the playoff system it's kind of funny well, we, we need to expand this there needs to be 12 teams in this and, and, and 2024 we'll... it will be yeah, next so... year
0: 2023 will be the last one for the final 4 then they'll go to 12 teams.
1: Yeah, when he's number one, he hates it. But when he's just on when the outside, number five, when he, 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 he <laughs> loves it. He should at it. least be six, right? <laughs> yeah. So what did you think of all of it yesterday?
2: I'm it... really happy that the committee kept TCU where it was at. I was of a mind that they were looking for any reason to get Ohio State and Alabama back in there. And I really thought with a loss that they would drop TCU out just for getting those big-name programs in. I think TCU deserves to be there and a— Field goal loss in overtime to a number ten ranked very good K State team who they, they beat earlier in the year. Who they'd already beat earlier in the year. I think I think they did the right thing to keep them than where they were at. Michigan and Georgia also no issues with. I'm still on the fence of USC versus Ohio State because I know USC doesn't play defense. They don't tackle. But that that is a two loss team versus a one loss Ohio State team by virtue of playing one more game than Ohio State and USC's two losses were both against Utah. I'm still... I don't know how I feel about putting a one-loss team who played one less game and got, you know, on their home turf against their biggest rival, bullied. They did not show up against Michigan. And I know USC didn't play their best game against Utah, but they lost by one point to Utah earlier in the year. I'm frankly just getting a little tired of these arguments and I'm happy this it's expanding <laughs> so that we can stop saying, you know, a team that went to its conference championship and lost is worse than a team that didn't make it to its own conference championship. Ultimately, I think Ohio state is a good enough team to be in there. It will be exciting. I think both were an offering for Georgia to lose, you know, to beat either way, but it's an imperfect system and it gives us something to talk about.
1: Was there anybody else that you thought had a case to be in that four? Maybe, maybe from a fragmental standpoint,
0: Tennessee. Maybe. But no, not not really. I think it's the, the best Final Four. I agree fully well with Alec. If TCU had been dropped out of it because of one of the big name teams like in Alabama, that would not have been justifiable. So no, I th- think they made a good call and this will be the uh, a good Final Four team. I am anxious. I, I'm of the opinion that 12 teams is too many. I think it should have been 8 teams, but no, they want to get as many as they can TV purposes and playoff circumstances and so forth. It'll it'll work. Eventually it'll work and mm-hmm. it will draw big crowds and lots of TV money and all that sort of thing. All it starts that. in
1: 2024. It should be interesting. We'll see how uh, Nick Saban feels about it next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, we'll can
0: count on the fact that he will be there.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would imagine that they will be. I don't see them dropping off the table any time in the near future. So what's your what's your bold prediction at this moment? I mean, uh, you've got two undefeated teams in there. Do you see them meeting in the national championship?
0: The Georgia Georgia-Ohio State game is interesting. Interesting because I don't think that Georgia, in my opinion, is infallible. They have won well. They I'll tell you, LSU put up thirty points on them in a fifty to thirty game. But the Bulldogs can score. I think Georgia and Ohio State will be a terrific football game. Michigan and TCU, I'll tell you, TCU is relentless. They're big, they're strong. Duggan is a top-notch quarterback. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Texas Christian make the championship game. i not going to predict it yet because we still have several weeks to mull this over. Furthermore, we have about 40 other bowl games to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter remains that I think it'll be a very good national championship picture.
1: I've watched Michigan play the past couple of weeks. Been impressed by – they're very good. They're probably the best second-half team in the nation. And they were talking about their physical conditioning and how they just feel like that they can impose their will on other teams in the second half. So it should be an interesting matchup between TCU and Michigan. Only
0: argument to that, Joe, is how strong is the Big Ten Conference. And I think you sold... A wide disparity when you saw the championship game last night. Purdue played as well as Purdue can. They're not even in the ballpark with Michigan. Not even there. And most of the other teams are not. The one caveat to that is Illinois and Michigan playing in Ann Arbor when the Wolverines had to come from behind to win by two. That did happen. Illinois had an up-and-down year. But the general level of strength in the Big Ten Conference is nowhere near what SEC is number one, and probably, arguably, the Big Twelve number two.
1: All right let's let's get your bold prediction. Who do you got? I'm going to wait. Going to wait. You're going to wait. Okay, I like, will four. you will you be willing to reveal your predictions today? As
2: it sits today, I I can't go off Georgia at this point. You know they. I know that LSU hung thirty on them, but at one point I checked, and I think Georgia was up thirty to seven. I think that was a foot off the gas you know let's just get out of here kind (laughs) of score and then they still put up 50 so I think when when all the chips are down that's who I would back right now but I think we got two really good matchups and ultimately will result in an exciting national championship
1: this is just one of my favorite times of the year I love the fall I love the spring because there's so much sports going on but I also love this time of year because well hot stoves going on there's basketball starting Football is really, really getting interesting at this point. It's not the beginning of the season. It's more towards the late season. So you're starting to see pictures develop. And I love the whole college football bowl discussion. When we come back, we'll pick one of those topics and we'll try to break it down for you on Ned Talk.
3: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Net Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Pre-game show starts in 20 minutes right here on 104.7 The Cave. We are your pre pre-game show, if that makes sense at all. Half time across the league. Pittsburgh leading Atlanta 16-6. to Woo! Denver over Baltimore in an exciting game. Do you believe? I don't. I'm not a Ravens. I'm not buying the Ravens doll. Six to three. Lamar well, Jackson score.
2: did earlier go to the medical tent and leave that game. I don't okay. know if he's come back yet.
1: Chicago 16 over Green Bay 10. They're in the third quarter of that game. Detroit 23. Jacksonville six. Detroit seven to five in that baseball game going on <laughs> in uh, Cleveland. And Deshaun Watson back for the game today. And interesting to see how that what they say about that game tomorrow minnesota over the jets 20 to six at halftime new york giants 20 to 13 over the commanders at halftime and that kind of brings you up to date on your scores let's talk some some college basketball with mr ned reynolds who's Closely keeps an eye on all that for us. What have you seen earlier in this early in the season that's got you excited?
0: No clear cut, in my opinion, national championship a level team. Several, and uh, uh, I'm going to say a number of ten to fifteen who could win the doggone thing. Houston's number one right now, and Sam's Kelvin Sampson, who's coaching the team this year, has done a really good job. No, they aren't the Houston team of 40 years ago with Hakeem Abdul-Elajuwon and Clyde Drexler and those people. No, it's, it's not like that. This is a team that's played very well. But the Cougars really haven't played anybody of, of, of uh, top contending level yet. Kentucky is going to be good. They've had their, their soft moments, so to speak. North Carolina and Duke have really faltered. Gonzaga has faltered quite a bit. Tennessee has a nice ball club, and right up the road in, in the Columbia, Missouri, the Missouri Tigers are undefeated at the moment, and probably getting some look at being in the top 25. Are that should they be there? Well, we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks. And here in town, Missouri State is one and one in the conference. They won their opening conference game, and that was on Monday when they played a. Uh, I beg your pardon. It was Wednesday. Wednesday when they played a, a very game. Illinois Chicago team, which is new in the Missouri Valley this year. They're not they're not very good. And Bears were able to pound them by double digits in Chicago last night. The Bears were home, played Bradley. Bradley is a very good basketball team. Not great, but pretty good. They play Arkansas here later on next week. The Bradley team is big up front. They have a lot of size. They have some good ball handling people. And I tell you, the Bears with their pressure defense. Tried that, and Bradley was able to pick them apart. If you have ball handlers on your team and you can shoot fairly well, then Missouri State's going to have their problems. They did last night, lost by 18 at the Great Southern Bank Arena, 58-40. to 40. 40 points is a low watermark for any college team, and that's all the Bears were able to get. Kaysen, we'll make a comparison here. In their Wednesday game against Illinois-Chicago, the Bears had 42 points in the paint. Last night they didn't even have 42 points on the scoreboard. That's the difference in the level of play that they're coming up against. So it'll be a rough road to go. Missouri State takes three days, two days, two days off, and then heads out to Moraga, California to take on the Gales. And St. Mary's is very, very, very good. They're a national caliber team. They play well. Bears played them last year out of Moraga and got thumped pretty good. Be interesting to see how Missouri State plays St. Mary's this time.
1: What's the identity of this Missouri State team?
0: Well, it's it was going to be your point guard. Matthew Lee, he was a transfer from St. Peter's, and St. Peter's was a magic team last year down to the Elite Eight before they were eliminated. Well, he got in the transfer portal and came out here to play for his final year. He's out. Out for the yeah. year. Knee injury. So he is he's gone. Right now, having freshman kids try to step in and play at the key role. Point guard Joe is the quarterback. On the, yep. And you've got to have a leader out there who can play or your dominant man on the on the baseline to go to to get you out of any kind of situation you're in and Missouri State doesn't have. They have big men, yes, but they're not they're not the dominant post players like a, a Gage Prim or people like that. Well, you can't go back to them. Those guys aren't here. So it's a new team, it's 14 new guys, and still coming together. It's probably going to take them a while to really come together to where the unit is cohesive.
1: Well, that's really odd to think. 14 new guys. That's the transfer portal.
0: Yeah. Four of their keys. <laughs> we, make, we make kind of a geographic uh, piece of sarcasm about that. Northwest Louisiana is Missouri State South. That's where four of the players went.
1: Really, With their coach. Wow. That's amazing. I, you, we've talked about this in the past, about the transfer portal, and, and uh, I, I, I agree with you. I don't really like this. Um, you, you see it at almost all levels of sports, and now college sports has been immune to it because of the rules and the regulations that the NCAA had in place. You could go to another university, but there used to be, used to have to have special circumstances for you to play right away. Usually you had to sit out a year, and now you can't do that. And you're starting to see more and more kids and students dictate how and when they'll be used and when they'll play. I was noticing in a game yesterday that I watched that one player. Uh, had come to the team and said, I won't suit out today because it's going to burn my red shirt. So I'm just not going to suit out.
0: There is a rule. if You can you can play in as many as four varsity games and still maintain a red shirt. So obviously this kid was getting ready to play in game number five, I guess. So yeah, there, there are circumstances along those lines. And there is a modification this year. Uh, that started was put in place back in august to the tr- transfer portal and that modification is there are only two times in the year that you can apply for the transfer portal one of them begins tomorrow december the 5th and runs until i think january 18th if i remember correctly i know it's about a, a little bit better than a month period 40 some days and you can apply for that it's mostly for football. Then there's another one in May, May the 1st through the 15th, a 15-day period that you can apply again for Transfer Portal. But other than that, then you know. Once you've made your commitment, then you're there. In the old days, when it first came into being, you pick up anytime, anytime and just go to any other school and get ready to play. You're fine. It's not quite as easy now. And of all people, and I found this to be very interesting, Dion Sanders, once Jackson State plays in the Celebration Bowl which I think is next weekend or in 2 weeks I'm not sure. Uh, once they play in that game then he is leaving Southern University or I'm sorry leaving Jackson State and going to Colorado on the University of Colorado to become the head coach. He cautioned his players after yesterday's win and Jackson State did win their game yesterday. He said, "Look, I know some of you guys want to come with me. I want to sit down with each of you personally." And will determine where you are and what your chances of playing. Don't do it just because it's there. And I thought, hey, words of great wisdom. And I'm glad he said that. From Dion Sanders,
1: Trevor Lawrence looks like he also went down in today's game against the Lions. And uh, I'll tell you, the Lions are making me a believer.
0: <laughs> they'll be they'll be good next year. Making
1: you making me a believer next year. It's always next year for the Lions and the Cubs. When we come back, we'll uh, have our picks and we'll get you set for the pregame show, which starts in 12 minutes.
3: You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: We're just less than six minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show. Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals coming up right here on 104.7 The Gay Cave. Do you think uh, there was any need of any bulletin board material in the Chiefs locker room this (laughs) week?
0: Not after the two games of last year, no.
1: The bulletin board was probably blank, except for that babysitting one with the tabs on it that you pull (laughs) off. You need a babysitter. Patrick Mahomes' wife is doing some babysitting on the side, just to earn a little extra cash of her own. Financially
2: smart. Yeah,
1: she just wants to be free. (laughs) She wants to have her own mad money to do what she needs to do. She don't want to be relying on Patrick and his billions of dollars to uh, do what she needs to do. Okay, so it's time for us to do our picks for this week. And when we do this, we always play.
3: Ned's Ironclad Rock Solid Pick of the Week.
1: Ned's like shaking his head. He's already sick of that.
3: Let He's me tell already...
0: you a little bit my about my card this week of ten games. Okay, I'm over, <laughs> and it's already middle part of Sunday, and I'm over.
1: Well, it just doesn't sound good to say Ned's Jello
2: pick of the week. It might as well be the Ned's wishy washy, half-hearted. Uh, I don't maybe should be against the case me.
0: in this one because it's the 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 game really shapes up as being a very good one. This is two high-powered offenses. Mahomes what, has 29 touchdown passes this year, and Burrow has 23. They're both high-scoring, both highly regarded QBs. Both have talented receiving cores. Both teams are, in in a sense, not literally so, but in a sense, they're kind of images of each other. The uh, Chiefs, Probably have a little bit stronger defense than Cincinnati does. And Kansas City has the better record. Only two losses as opposed to four by the Bengals. But the bottom line remains, I think it'll be a very good football game playing in Cincinnati. I look for the Bengals to give Kansas City a very difficult time. Maybe a lot of points on the board. So we'll pick a score today. and pick the Chiefs to win by last week, incidentally. I noticed that you guys are quick to pounce on me when I'm really off. But you didn't give me any credit for coming close to the score list. Way to go, Ned. Did Thank a really good job at the score yeah. last week. Now I've been mollified. That's very good <laughs> and that's not a term for no, no, I think all of it.
1: I think all of us did a pretty good job with the pick last week.
0: Uh, in, this, in this case, I am going to suggest that the Chiefs win by a score of 34, maybe 34 to 31, somewhere in that vicinity.
2: Alec? Do you know the over-under on this one? Probably
0: about fifty something, I imagine. I do not know it. I think I hit that over. I think this has the feel.
2: I'm you know, I said earlier I think this is a big test for the Chiefs secondary. I think last year they had a bad taste in their mouth. I'm one thing I'm worried about that I don't think it's gotten enough attention and I've just kind of seen it watching the Chiefs. I don't think Butker is a hundred percent ever since that injury. We've seen him miss some extra points here and there. I worry that one missed kick today might actually end up being be. a big difference. So I hope he can put it through. But in in Cincinnati, I just got a feeling I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bengals thirty four, Chiefs thirty one. I just <laughs> wow. think the way Cincinnati's they're doing, it looks too much like last year for them. They started a little slow. They've started to write the ship. Burrow's getting sacked less. I don't want it. As a Steeler fan, I hope that I'm wrong. This is just a feeling I've got.
1: It is fifty-three. Fifty-three? I agree. Right. Here's my prediction. Uh Chiefs forty-one. Cincinnati twenty-four. Mm. I, I think it'll it'll stay close for a while during the game, and then in the second half, the Chiefs are gonna come out. They're gonna play the second half, by the way. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the headline. Chiefs <laughs> Chiefs play full four quarters against the Bengals. And I, I just think that uh, Burrow will be forced to try to do some things and the Chiefs will come up with some big stops. I predict a big play in the defensive side of the ball and, and they'll they'll score a touchdown that way. And that will give them the uh, two-touchdown victory that I am predicting today's game. At least I'm hoping for because I really do feel like the Chiefs are better than the Bengals. And, they,
2: and I felt like they were better last year. This is the type of game they show up for. You know, we talked last week. They don't beat a middling Rams team by 30. They beat the team that has the same record as them by 30 is the Chiefs way. Yeah, I think so.
1: So anyway, we will be back here next Sunday at 1 o'clock. Once again, in case you have not heard, the Chiefs game, as predicted by Alec, has been flexed out of the night spot. It will no longer be on Sunday night. It will be on Sunday afternoon, so that means you've got us starting at 1 o'clock. The pregame show from Kansas City starts at 2 o'clock, and then the game will be right around 325 it is at denver alec i don't know if you'll be here next week we will see i hope you are (laughs) i hope that you will be here next week i'll see you tomorrow ned i know you'll be here next week we'll have kevin join us from denver to talk about the game everybody sit back turn it up and listen to the chiefs take on the cincinnati Bengals right here on 104.7 the cave